Namaste and welcome to Detours with me Anuradha Goyal where I talk to some very interesting personalities about journeys of all kinds. So on uh, Detours today we have a uh, Jai Bharti who we lovingly call JB she's an architect by profession and a hardcore traveler by passion uh, she travels on a bike she's traveled across india she's traveled across southeast asia and she's done a solo trip across us and all this bound by her love for heritage sites and unesco world heritage sites to be precise and she runs a, a lovely foundation called movo foundation that enables women through mobility so uh, welcome jb and uh, lovely to have you on this podcast tell us how did you start traveling <laughs> it's uh, quite interesting that uh, we get to catch up again uh, probably after many years after, yeah though i'm glad we could keep in touch and yeah to answer your question of uh, why do you travel maybe to meet interesting people like you like it's 6 <laughs> years and we have at the same ease and <laughs> but i think it uh, really i mean getting serious i think i like uh, meeting new people seeing new places understanding the cultures of the places i go so that's what keeps me going and i think that's my reason for travel tell us about your first major travel that you did so i think uh, until my graduation days or so travel was just for fun like you're just getting out of the college bunking the college and trying to go for a long ride or you know a break from yeah, studies break from studies or i studied architecture so it's more to do about uh, projects work, project works case studies go to some place so you would want to find a unique place which not everybody would have studied so mm-hmm. that's all that was there but that was all like a part of your daily life like you know it's not like uh purely travel oriented but uh once i was kind of settled in my career and you know i just moved back to my hometown after mm-hmm. my stint in working in other cities but when i come came back i realized i have some money to travel and i have the weekends <laughs> so back then still i think i used to work 6 uh, days a week but mm-hmm. i still thought okay there is definitely a little more than what i what i'm already doing so mm-hmm. that's when i chanced upon a small article and on uh, unesco sites mm-hmm. where there was a unique travel challenge mm-hmm. uh, on visiting all the unesco sites in india so i thought oh why don't we just take it up and that's when was my first major travel so it's called go unesco challenge and i signed up for it of visiting all the unesco world heritage sites in india in the period of one year right so i always used to dream about going across the country but i thought this is a good medium maybe i can keep a checklist kind of a thing and tick off and that way i can see the entire country so that i so you kind of visited like india uh, as you know in a thread uh, binding the unesco you know sites. unesco sites yeah. and i remember 6 years back i interviewed you yeah. one, after you've just finished that yeah. uh, challenge and you had won that challenge yeah. <laughs> you know so and and we were so proud of you then and yeah. we, i didn't know you'll make me so much more proud in coming here <laughs> so um so what was your you know that was pro- like you said you know that was your first introduction to uh, you know the vastness and the diversity of india yeah. so what are the 
key things that you remember from from that trip you know traveling you traveled to assam on at one end you yeah. traveled to south of india west east north everywhere, everywhere yeah so what were the few things that you remember from that trip yeah so i think from that trip what i remember is heritage is something Mm-hmm. which i'm keen on like you know it interests me so much i didn't even realize is that the architect in you yeah maybe but i think much beyond uh, being an architect because as an architect i don't design any ornamental structures like mm-hmm. even if i'm doing interiors i'm mm-hmm. more like i just do modern i just try to understand mm-hmm. what's the kind of a space mm-hmm. a person would need and design it i'm not like uh, someone who would use a lot of traditional Mm-hmm. uh ways of uh, you know mm-hmm. designing things and all i do respect it but i don't even work on conservation projects it's mm-hmm. nothing but i think it's a little more i was drawn much closer to lot of monuments especially which have a history of more than several years like it can be found so like years, thousand visiting years. Your yeah, own revisiting like i always i think i if i'm not wrong i told you this back in 2013 and even now i think I think I still have uh, I somehow have that connect with the old structures. I feel that they have built it for a reason and they have left something that we as the next generation should go and revisit. And every time I go to one site, I'll be more curious on knowing the other places as well. So, you know, I think I always say that <laughs> uh, I always say that when I visit these ancient brilliant pieces of not just architecture but engineering art aesthetics all fused together so beautifully yeah. i always feel that uh, there is an invisible thread of continued civilization that yes. is living through them Absolutely. and which we must carry on yeah. you know which we must preserve conserve and build upon for the next generations yeah. but anyway coming back to your travels so that was the beginning of uh, jb the traveler for yeah. as far as i know you uh, you know the unesco world heritage challenge for india yeah. and after that you started writing bikes yeah <laughs> you know so you became one of the first few uh, women bikers from india who were actively biking and uh, you know creating events around biking uh, doing long trips around biking tell us about some of the biking trips that you've done yeah so again thanks to the unesco travels i got so much media publicity and all and the minute i posted that i got a bike and i'm going to ride mm-hmm. so there was a lot of there were a lot of people who said oh yeah we also ride so let's mm-hmm. do something together So again because travel was connected I used to just take out my bike and we used to ride then I saw that as a medium to empower more women because mm-hmm. whenever we take the bike out and ride we are inspiring so many more women that they would have ridden bikes in their college days or whatever they would say that yeah we also want to ride mm-hmm. then I realized as biking unlike UNESCO sites mm-hmm. bikers have different roads to go so <laughs> that's <laughs> <laughs> so the big biker's dream is Ladakh. So mm-hmm. in the initial years itself, mm-hmm. I have gone to Ladakh when mm-hmm. there weren't too many roads as they are now. Actually, in my mind, Ladakh is a biker's territory. Yeah. You know, everybody. You are not a biker till you, you have conquered <laughs> yeah. Ladakh. Yeah. So, and when you visit Ladakh, you see this. bunch of groups riding together yeah. you know it, it's the territory that belongs to bikers bikers and it's a very life changing uh, ride as well because i come from south india mm-hmm. i have seen mountains mm-hmm. but like they are like hills not like yeah. real mountains yeah. and that was my first uh, adventure into the real mountains though through unesco sites i would have gone to mm-hmm. other mountains but i was like 
in a bus or in a car or mm-hmm. somewhere but here i am actually riding through the mountains and ladakh hills are different, different they are barren different. And, and they are like the landscapes just, are just so beautiful you suddenly feel like you're out somewhere right right and i mean i have traveled and lived a lot among himalayas but ladakh and lahol spiti this landscape this terrain is entirely different entirely different i totally agree so i think that was a big thing we did it in the initial years of biking mm-hmm. and then that the was your remains. qualification into the yeah. world of bikers <laughs> And then the quest mm-hmm. is still there. Like what next? And if Every I remember you correctly, you did a uh, Kanya Kumari to Kashmir. Yeah, I did Kanya Kumari to Kashmir as well. So which you, know, you did with fellow yeah bikers. fellow bikers, just a bunch of good friends, and it was another eight thousand six hundred. So that was a major biking trip I did. So mm-hmm. Ladakh is anywhere there we do it. Mm-hmm. But Kanya Kumari Kashmir was like we went from Hyderabad to Kanya Kumari and then again all the way from Kanya Kumari to Kashmir and came back to Hyderabad. Right, so and which you covered the the whole length, length of, of, of India. Length of the country, eight thousand six hundred kilometers. But the, when it came to breadth, you didn't really stop at India and you went yeah. all the way to <laughs> exactly to uh, to the territories which as might have been India at some point in time as I could go. Yes. But I totally agree with your mm-hmm. point, which might have been India. Yes. See there again. So like you so said, so tell us about this road road, road to, to Mekong. Like you said, I did uh, road to Mekong. I had an opportunity mm-hmm. uh, thanks to my UNESCO travels. People would follow, and they would, mm-hmm. and there were people who asked me, "Why don't you do it to promote our mm-hmm. this thing?" And somehow I got the opportunity. So I took a bunch of other friends. I went all the way from Hyderabad, and they said, "Don't just go to Thailand." At that that point, I was thinking only Thailand because mm-hmm. after Ladakh, every biker's dream was the the news was out that there is a yeah. AH one lane, and mm-hmm. you can go up till Thailand. Mm-hmm. So I was only thinking about Thailand. Then mm-hmm. the officer who was supporting our ride said, "JB, why do you want to just stop at Thailand?" Mm-hmm. try to go as much as you can on mm-hmm. land then i thought okay let me go as much east as i can go if you can go back and look at my videos that's mm-hmm. what at one point we say like mm-hmm. uh, so where did you start that trip so from? i started from hyderabad mm-hmm. we took the coastal route through uh, visakhapatnam then orissa bangladesh mm-hmm. uh, sorry west bengal bangladesh is one thing we couldn't go the we planned we mm-hmm. came back from the border mm-hmm. but yes we did myanmar thailand laos cambodia mm-hmm. and all the way up till vietnam so and what I was remember, the total mileage you covered on uh, this trip that is 17000 kilometers in 56 days 17000 kilometers in 56 days and on an indian four, motorcycle for <laughs> for women for indian women, women. and uh, how was the experience did you face any kind of uh, what did you face on the road you know curiosity yeah. i believe yeah. about curiosity <laughs> so the jb you would have known in 2013 is totally different from the jb mm-hmm. you have you probably or even if i retrospect mm-hmm. and see mm-hmm. i'm a to- i'm totally a different person after the road to mekong trip mm-hmm. before road to mekong was all like you're exploring mm-hmm. the every travel mm-hmm. and you don't sit back and think that oh what happened in this travel but mm-hmm. road to mekong was that key point where mm-hmm. i could sit back and think and retrospect as mm-hmm. to how i am changing uh, on a travel per se mm-hmm. so if it was in 13 it was just my quest of in 12 it was mm-hmm. my quest of going to unesco sites mm-hmm. then as you know i did a solo backpacking trip mm-hmm. across turkey again mm-hmm. putting the thread through the unesco, UNESCO sites yeah. and even in road to mekong i didn't give that up so even there all the countries we went the 
route mm-hmm. was drawn through the UNESCO site. Yes, I remember so, that. <laughs> I remember that, that and I must there. tell my listeners that JB had asked me to join her on this trip. Yes, and, but for some that. reason it didn't work out. Uh, yeah. More because I wanted to spend a lot more time yeah. than just touching the uh, UNESCO sites. Uh, which was not possible in a road trip like hers but at some point in time we'll re- we will do that all together we that is one that. thing which is pending <laughs> we will do that someday yeah um, so uh, so road to mekong tell us you know what did what difference did you see when you took your bikes from india to these neighboring countries which are very different yet there is some invisible thread of um, you know cultural connection that connects us to these uh, countries yeah So um see road to mekong i had no clue that we had so much cultural connection i mean mm-hmm. frankly i don't read a lot like mm-hmm. i just read on google how much i should research to go there mm-hmm. because i like to explore it by myself that mm-hmm. is a good way of understanding for me than mm-hmm. reading more on the book because anyways i'm going there might as well mm-hmm. i explore and mm-hmm. see how it is so most of the time vetted to like i think i have graduated a level in travel where mm-hmm. i can plan it for others as well and not just me and i made sure everything went well and there was a lot of uh, lot of issues with the paperwork because nobody has not many people by then probably had to take their vehicles along taken their vehicles along and so was it difficult to go yourself or to take the vehicles with you taking the vehicles was difficult because we can go ourselves that's not a big deal but mm-hmm. vehicle needs a different set of when you are taking the bike out of india there mm-hmm. are whole new set of rules mm-hmm. and while you're crossing the borders mm-hmm. on land you need to have the visas from the embassy mm-hmm. otherwise you can just have a e visa and then fly in and go right. or get a visa when you land there mm-hmm. but when you're doing land border crossing you need to have everything up front so mm-hmm. i gave up everything in 8 months i Uh, you, you know spent you yeah, spent only on planning for that trip because i thought so it's an opportunity so for a 56 day trip you spent 8, eight months, months planning, planning. Yeah. and this is when you had the support of uh, telangana, telangana tourism, tourism yeah. and uh, the Incredible ministry of india. tourism yeah. india hmm. and even then it took you about 8 months yes. to plan yes. okay. see because the governments will say that we'll support you which is mm-hmm. which itself is a big thing like mm-hmm. you know they have so many things to do why should they support mm-hmm. some random mm-hmm. people's travel but that was welcoming enough mm-hmm. and nobody knew because these are not the roads which were taken earlier mm-hmm. and nobody knew what are the kind of rules mm-hmm. so we did our own research of course the government helped whatever we said we need this letter they would give that letter but the running around doing all these things yeah. and you were dealing with multiple government multiple government so yeah. it was really nice and uh, that's when really i felt at a point mm-hmm. that you know yes our indian dynasties would have extended as, as far as east when you go to vietnam you see the temples there yeah. the vishnu temples the yeah. shiva temples of course and uh, coming from telangana mm-hmm. uh, we have a very typical floral festival called batukamma I, i feel that is an epitome of women empowerment back mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. even now today we are struggling but mm-hmm. women were very happy celebrating it for 9 days and right. you know if we research more that's what it is but going all the way to vietnam where i consider it like the midpoint like that was a point where we took a u turn and started our journey back mm-hmm. and in that temple out of nowhere i mm-hmm. find a batkama flower the flowers we use for batkama like you know what else do you want to see so maybe i wrote, which I temple do you remember the name yeah i suddenly at uh, the maison sanctuary 
Okay. Yeah, so there there are Bhatkama so, flowers and I did the whole journey to promote Bhatkama festival. Like wherever we were speaking, we were speaking about Telangana. So you went from Bhatkama to Bhatkama. Bhatkama. So I said maybe we were destined to come all the way here to find Bhatkama. I have a very good picture. Okay. <laughs> you must share that. But yeah. <laughs> so, Great. So after uh, road to Mekong, uh, you didn't stop there. You in you started looking westwards. Yeah. And you did this big solo. <laughs> ride across us again covering all the unesco world heritage sites in us yeah. so tell us about that yeah. trip so i think thanks to you you've been uh, encouraging me and telling me always that chibi you should write about your experiences you should write i know you've been telling this for years and one fine day i decided that okay i have to write about it because it has been a big project so i wrote a book on road to mekong while writing that itself i thought Mm-hmm. there is definitely there's something with unesco and in 2014 i in fact bought a unesco world heritage site map mm-hmm. and i laid a route because mm-hmm. i always like our ancestors i always thought we should go east first like you mm-hmm. know the sun rises from the east so let's travel towards the east and uh, in my map i did all those things then i realized having a us visa is really mm-hmm. useful like you know you get to travel to other pe- places much easily so mm-hmm. and i know that i have a lot of support system in us and um, this time the plan was also to uh, create lot of awareness on women in mobility mm-hmm. and uh, i picked up us mm-hmm. but no matter what right from 2012 until now whatever i want to travel i know that somewhere i have it has to be about the unesco site so that is something which did not change that That's is a like constant the peg around where yeah, you the, weave, weave, weave the route right, so right, right. again in us i did the same thing i mm-hmm. jotted down the mm-hmm. um, 19 unesco sites mm-hmm. there are more than that but mm-hmm. these are the ones which are accessible by road mm-hmm. so i thought let me take my motorcycle and so do this, this in us one, now this one us uh, biking trip was a solo trip yeah visa uh, we all your earlier trips that have been group trips you yeah. know you had a kind of support system with you so how was it different uh, i think i while i did enjoy my previous travels as well as a group uh, i was feeling like uh, i don't know if i told this to you or somebody else whenever i take lot of people i think that i would have done that trip 10 times because if i'm taking 10 people i'm making them see the world as well so <laughs> this time i wanted to do i i really wanted to enjoy because some somewhere down the line i was thinking that you i'm not able to be a free bird yeah free bird so us i really wanted to do uh, solo of course i had another friend capturing my journey but uh, the journey i mean he's got nothing to do with uh, inasco sites so he just wanted to take the photos and videos because the biggest complaint i always had is you don't have any documentation of your travels so mm-hmm. i thought i have to get it documented mm-hmm. and um, i really enjoyed because Mm-hmm. absolutely hassle free all i need to get is one us visa that happened very quickly mm-hmm. thanks to my travels again because mm-hmm. they all so they all know me as a traveler and they they were more than happy to support me right. by giving a visa because i would write about that and right. you know do that so. great so somewhere in between all these rides and travels you set up a foundation called movo foundation yeah. which is about mobility as an empowering element for women where you teach women to ride two wheelers so tell us about this what prompted you to create it and uh, how are women responding to it yeah so what happened was uh, i started a women motorcycle club in hyderabad and i realized every time we go and ride post a picture on our that we can ride or any long ride there are so many people 
who are getting inspired and they are picking up their bikes and riding mm-hmm. then i thought uh, why should we be you know why should we limit it only to a handful of people there mm-hmm. might be definitely more women out there who would need help so that's when i started a small uh, pilot project where uh, uh, we wanted to train women how to ride two wheelers mm-hmm. we were doing it as a free thing on saturdays and to my surprise like i wanted to do 200 women in uh, one year i wanted to train them only on saturday spending 2 mm-hmm. hours uh, we ended up training 265 women wow. and uh, the kind of interest you should see and that was absolutely no facilities what is the typical profile of women who come for training everybody uh, right from the age of 18 to 60 just wow. because you put a time age limit uh, mm-hmm. they did uh, stick to it otherwise everybody was so happy and i had women who came like the daughter would bring the mother along mm-hmm. or the son would send the mother and daughter sister along because we really want our women to learn two wheelers but we are not able to teach them because we are scared but mm-hmm. you would be a right person to teach them with my experience if i am inspiring so many people mm-hmm. and when i went to road to mekong this was already there like my other friends were taking care of it and it was indu mm-hmm. and um, at the border at uh, thailand border we did get our visa on arrival but like i said they don't know what to do with the bike so it took us a uh, 6 hour process because we had four bikes four women so much happening and just as i was a little exhausted and i was getting out of the customs and walking out i see two women in their 40s and 50s um with a scooter kind of a bike sitting there with a bike taxi jacket mm-hmm. they would have been food delivery partners they would have been bike taxis but the fact they were there at the border you know it it definitely inspired me like the way i look at women like you know mm-hmm. in india we have so many uh delivery partners all men mm-hmm. and there are so many platforms you name it you have it but whether the only food, skill you need, need is, is driving. driving that's it you don't need to be educated for that and mm-hmm. there is no age limit for that all mm-hmm. you need to know is and technology is not a big thing mm-hmm. everybody knows how to use a phone mm-hmm. these days all you have to do is teach them how to handle that mm-hmm. app So you actually picked up these ideas of on empowering travel. women on travel during your travels because yeah. uh, in uh, Myanmar also when we were driving uh, I saw the women there being very empowered uh, mm-hmm. most of the small little shops were run by women fuel stations were run by women but we see that in our villages as well yeah in, even in our villages but mm-hmm. especially in this trip I think everything came together and it just I think they were trying to made, push you made a direction. made an impact that yeah it just gave me a direction <laughs> uh so you know there were a bunch of women there was a tractor which tractor mm-hmm. which broke down mm-hmm. and there were a bunch of women in it from all ages like mm-hmm. right from 8 year old kid to 50 year old women Every, mm-hmm. there were some 6 to 7 of them on a tractor mm-hmm. there was some issue with the wheel or something mm-hmm. they got down and they were fixing it by themselves so mm-hmm. it was it really created an impa- impact on me i mean even today i can pictureize the exact location so where they were so you came back and created this so i thought we are anyways training women hmm. and we need to have them more and we need to have them in these kind of public spaces mm-hmm. because women safety is something which will not happen overnight just like that mm-hmm. women safety is when women are 
out there on the road absolutely if you are not there on the road you are back in home and you are yeah. expecting that it has to be safer on roads how do you even mm, think right, so right. we need to put ourselves out there with a purpose absolutely so i thought let me train my women to ride so two wheels so how do people reach you if they want to you know you want to take your services in terms of training people because you are based in hyderabad but yeah. you know people outside hyderabad could do you have a website or yeah we do have a website www.movo.mowo.in Mm-hmm. and uh, we have registered it as a this thing and we can do it later on as well but yes for now they can reach out to us on our facebook instagram twitter mm-hmm. and on our website everywhere it's movo moving women so okay. it's the first two letters of moving, moving women, women. Mm-hmm. i want to move women in their thoughts first mm-hmm. like be able to do what you want to mm-hmm. and i'm using the only skill i know because mm-hmm. everybody says that you travel so much you take so many people along and you mm-hmm. bring them back safe so mm-hmm. i thought This is that brings us to that. That brings us to another way interesting question, a question that uh, India is not safe for women to travel, or world in general is not safe for women to travel. And here are two of us. We've yeah. travelled all by ourselves, and we always <laughs> have the nicer stories to tell yes. about people we meet on the road. We've been taken care by the people yes. we've met on the road. So tell us during all these trips across India, across the nooks and corners of India, as well as around the world, what do you think about the safety of women travellers? I might be wrong, but I think this whole thing of uh, the world not being safer for women is—I don't agree with that because I myself was out there on mm-hmm. the roads, on a bike, doing, yeah, on a bike, doing everything mm-hmm. possible. Like mm-hmm. when I was travelling in India across mm-hmm. UNESCO sites. I took a rickshaw I took an auto I took a bus ship mm-hmm. train flight everything to every mm-hmm. corner of the country and I was always safe there were days where I landed in Delhi at 3 am and you know I was safe of course we need to take in the precautions needed and going where we are like in US we were uh, told that don't go into the downtown area after 5 o'clock so mm-hmm. listen to what the locals say and stick to it mm-hmm. if I really want to go there and figure out what will happen then obviously something would happen so mm-hmm. and uh, in turkey while i was mm-hmm. traveling alone no nobody knows the language they don't 95% of the places i traveled in turkey don't even speak english the mm-hmm. only language i know is english so i would either smile at them they would smile back at me at one point the place i was supposed to go was closing down but somebody else helped me so it's the faith and hope in humanity we need to have and it's it's the same And everywhere. with every travel, it actually strengthens. Yeah, of course. Because you know that the world is far better a place than what newspapers want us to believe. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I totally agree with that. Right. So, but any tips or any uh, tricks that you would tell uh, other women who have not traveled as much as you have or I have, and uh, which can help them or which can give them confidence to step out? First thing is step out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. stop thinking and step out like everybody would want to travel and i would always go back to the same point what i told you in 2013 that it doesn't have to be like you have to travel like me to us or to <laughs> thailand step out step there out. is something in your next lane Absolutely. there are so many temples old monuments mars or something interesting happening it can be a festival which is happening you have never seen it is If happening in your next lane trees and birds, birds. and <laughs> animals to there see there is so much right next yeah. in your next street mm. so step out do what you really want to do right. obstacles will come but mm-hmm. they will make its own way to you know lead you to what where you want to go yes any any other tip you have yeah and uh, most important is planning mm-hmm. like the minute you want to step out and do something 
just do a little bit of research you don't have to really literally figure out what that place is before you go but try to read about it how much ever you can and mm-hmm. go there and enjoy and planning is really important the time of the uh, year yeah. you would want to go like you know you can't mm-hmm. expect uh, to ride a motorcycle in ladakh mm-hmm. when it is fully frozen there are people who are mm-hmm. doing it but they do plan it accordingly mm-hmm. so yeah. If you're going to Ladakh, people usually say that go during June, July, August, which is sensible enough climate-wise for everyone. So mm-hmm. do that. You want to do extreme, go in December. Mm-hmm. But you But do plan the planning accordingly. accordingly. So finally, to wrap it up, uh, yeah. tell us what are the two or three top lessons you've learned on the road. First and foremost, like I said, decide where you want to go, mm-hmm. but go, mm-hmm. and uh, don't worry about the obstacles. If you have the will to do things you will find its own way i mean mm-hmm. it, it will find its own way like mm-hmm. and don't consider money would stop you i have mm-hmm. done travels when i didn't have a single penny in my pocket mm-hmm. i was in turkey mm-hmm. with a with not a turkish uh, lira as the currency but i ended up going on a hot air balloon which was the most expensive bit in that entire journey mm-hmm. i was in us i traveled across us in 100 dollars 35 days so of mm-hmm. course there is more to it but Don't let anything stop you when you really want to travel. Mm-hmm. You can travel, mm-hmm. and it is safe out there. Don't pull mm-hmm. back yourself thinking that it is and not safe. And people in general are are amazing, are absolutely helpful. amazing, very kind, very helpful. No matter on which part of the world, where whichever part of the world you're going. Okay, but do travel. Do travel. So where are you traveling next? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the big question. I just came back uh, two weeks ago from US, but yes, wherever I am traveling next year, uh, I'm trying to teach these college girls from uh, welfare colleges as well mm-hmm. on how to ride motorcycles specifically. Mm-hmm. And my dream is to take them out on my next big trip so that we build their aspirations much beyond. And a bigger question is when are we traveling together? Yes, that that is something we need to focus on. <laughs> we so, not you know. <laughs> Everybody has these goals for 2020 and 2020. Like I remember mm-hmm. back then, a lot of people used to say, "By 2020, our city will be like this. By 2020, I'll do that." So I think our 2020 resolution is we should travel together. We should travel <laughs> together, and we should probably take a lot of women, lot with, of women us. with us. Great, yeah. JB. We wish you all the best in all your travels and in all your endeavors to empower women and to empower youth in this country. and i'm i'm very happy that you touched upon a very uh, interesting thing that i always say that the travels give uh, let you explore the world and let you pick up ideas from everywhere which you can then bring home and make your own yes absolutely and with and you are a great example of somebody who's done exactly that so great chevi thank you very much and uh, hopefully uh, in some time down the line we'll have another interview yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> so much thank it you is so really much. a pleasure to uh, be back with you and getting my travels recorded yeah. <laughs> again <laughs> and you can listen, you can also read her book uh, road, road to mekong Uh, it's available in English as well and as Telugu, and you can pick it up and read all about planning a trip, doing a trip, and then learning from the trip. And what exactly happens on road? On the road, <laughs> yes. And uh, and she's yet to write her US book, but she hopefully by next time she would have written that. Yeah. <laughs> so great, JB. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Detours. You can also join us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our handle is Indie Tales. I N D I T A L E S. See you soon.